we are at our second episode of the Varying Viewpoints podcast series. I'm here today with LaVon Esters. LaVon is an associate professor in the Department of Agricultural Sciences, Education and Communication at Purdue University. He also serves as a director of the Mentoring at Purdue program, which is designed to increase the number of underrepresented minorities receiving graduate degrees in the STEM-based agricultural and life sciences disciplines in Purdue University's College of Agriculture. So welcome, LaVon, and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get started. I'm going to ask you some questions just about mentorship, but also about sponsorship. So let's get started. Okay, thanks for having me. No problem. I mentioned that you are the director of the Mentoring at Purdue program. Can you share what prompted you to develop such a program and share a bit about its significance at Purdue? So a colleague and I had been kicking around an idea of um, a grant proposal idea for a few years. And so I think the thing that prompted us developing Mentoring at Purdue was in 2012, I believe it was, our college has, has a history of not being very diverse in terms of the grad student population. And so we were always wanting to try to figure out ways that we could help bolster the numbers or increase the numbers, if you will, in our college. And so uh, we set out with this idea of, uh, of some type of program that would impact diversity and retention and, and recruitment. And so that's where the idea started for the mentoring at Purdue. And, and one of the elements of this idea was um, trying to address some of the issues or concerns around mentoring. Because as you know, one of the reasons why graduate students leave school, there are two reasons primarily. One is lack of funding, of course, and two is poor mentoring. Um, and so we wanted to make sure in, in this idea, this proposed idea that we developed, that mentoring was going to be a, a major component of this proposal. And so that's kind of how MAP kind of evolved and, and came to be. So that's the first part. And then the second part, in terms of its significance, I think now it's what, seven years later, because they received funding in 2012, seven years later, the program has, it's, it's well established, let me just say it that way. Um, we have a strong brand identity in our college at Purdue University overall, um, even across the country, I would say, because we shared outcomes and impacts of our program in various academic spaces. And so it's, it's pretty obvious to us. And we also keep data. We do a good job of keeping data, measuring outcomes and impacts of our program. Uh, we've done a very good job of that. And so I think it's safe to say that people have come to know MAP as being a space, if you will, where and a resource for folks who really want, for faculty, staff and students who really want to learn more about mentoring, especially those students who are from underrepresented minority populations. It's a place where they can get resources, where they can come talk to folks that look like them and get the support they need and get advice on maybe issues or concerns they have related to mentoring. So it's 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 been a good seven year stretch. And so we're going to continue to look towards the future as we think of other ways that we can expand our program offerings. Awesome. So you talked a little bit about the program being around for seven years mm-hmm. and kind of it's growing its brand to now being recognized by many people across the university. And also just it being an outlet for graduate students to kind of learn more about mentoring and what that looks like. Considering the program's impact and the clear value on Purdue's campus and maybe on predominantly white campuses, do you think that the program can and should be replicated at other institutions? Oh, without a doubt. There are many other programs that that were built or developed like Mentoring at Purdue is a map, if you will. You know, I've been I've had a chance to to travel across the country and be in a lot of different spaces. And what I find inevitably is that in a lot of colleges, 
let alone colleges of ag, but just a lot of colleges in general don't have programs that attend to the need, the mentoring needs of students, especially students of color. So I think for that reason alone, definitely without a doubt that uh, more universities should think about developing programs and replicating what we do. As a matter of fact, we have a grant. We just received a grant last year, early this year actually, from USDA where we're going to be working with six historically black land grant universities and then six PWIs. And what we're trying to do through this grant is to try to not create many MAP programs, but help the help the colleges of ag in this case at these two types of institutions to think and develop ways and strategies that can attend to the needs, the mentoring needs of students, faculty and staff in those colleges. So through this grant, we're going to try to have a broader reach, if you will, with what we've done. But I definitely think to your question is that this is something that universities should really think about, because, again, uh, which I'll talk about in some ways today during my talk here at Rutgers is that quite often students of color don't get the mentoring they need to be successful in their graduate programs. So you kind of mentioned this, but can you tell me a little bit more about why you think it is particularly important for mentoring programs or programs like MAP to exist at agricultural colleges? Yeah, so I think it's important. One, you know, colleges of agriculture, as you can imagine, are very diverse. And so those students who are students of color oftentimes get lost in the shuffle, if you will. And so I think programs like MAP, if I use the, the, the context of Purdue's College of Ag and what it's been able to do for students of color in our colleges, again, it serves as a space where they feel a sense of belonging. They feel as though if, if they are struggling with the mentoring uh, that occurs uh, with their advisors, they can come to us as a resource talk to myself, talk to students who work on our team, talk to the co-director, Dr. Knobloch, and, and try to help them figure out ways that they can maybe uh, be more successful or maybe approach their main relationship with their advisor in a way that is more, more supportive or provides the support that they need to be successful. So what I found is that, again, all too often, whether it be a college of ag, college of science, uh, you name it, oftentimes these spaces, at the end of the day, spaces like MAP, programs like MAP are far and few between. And so I just think that the more that we can do, that is PWIs to really create these spaces for students of color, uh, the better off those students will be in the long run. All right. Thank you so much. I think that that is important just because I agree that the spaces are far and few in between. Um, so thank you for MAP and for creating a space like that at Purdue, as I'm sure all of the the people involved in the program are grateful for, for the work that you're doing. So just speaking about mentoring, you're an alumni of Elevate, one of our programs, and you've been a mentor for the program for a couple of years now. Typically give a presentation on the value of mentoring, particularly for early career faculty members at MSIs. Why do you think having a plan for mentoring is so critical for all faculty? Well, I think what happens all too often is that, you know, if I think about, so I'm, I'm a black male, faculty of color. So all too often what happens is when we're hired uh, at a PWI, for example, we're left to our own devices to figure it out. And that's not, to me, that's not right, nor should it occur. And so what I've tried to do when, I, and when I'm invited to talk and speak at Elevate is to talk to these early career faculty members about the importance of mentoring, not only that they should provide for their students, but also for them as faculty members as well, because all too often we aren't we don't we aren't allowed to peek behind the curtain, if you will, right? And so I think as a faculty member, what uh, what's going to help 
you be successful in the academy is to be able to get the mentoring and the advice and support that you need to be successful. Because again, the numbers have shown that PWIs in particular aren't very diverse in terms of a faculty of color. The numbers aren't strong, if you will, in that sense. And so I think anything that we can do at the end of the day to try to support those that we bring to our campuses such that they're successful, they can thrive, they can do well, is a win-win. And so I just try to do what I can to share my story, my experiences of how I've been able to navigate the space. Because I was at, I'm at Purdue now, but I was at Iowa State University for five years. And so as far as the PWI landscape, I know that pretty well and what it means to be a faculty of color in those spaces. But for those in the Elevate program who are at MSIs, I still think there's something that can be taken from my experience that can help them be successful at their institutions as well. So one of the things that I think a lot of people learn in that Elevate session and what they take away from the session is the importance of developing a mentoring statement or a mentoring philosophy, basically an approach that you can use to bolster your impact in terms of mentoring. So how do you think this has helped you as a mentor? And can you share a little bit about what your philosophy looks like? Yeah, I really like that question. So for me, it's important because it allows a faculty member to really think about how they help students, right? how they help students be successful. But I think it's always, I think it's a wise idea or a good idea, if you will, to put it down on paper in the form of philosophy, because now you have this guiding document that you can refer back to over time at, at some point or another as a reminder to yourself kind of keeps you almost like a mechanism to keep yourself in check, if you will. And so actually, I think one of my graduate students actually brought the idea up to me because she attended a conference. And so we were meeting one day and we talked about it. And I said, well, I think it's a good idea for me to develop one. And then also, it just so happens that at Purdue now, all faculty are required to engage in and to know for P&T, there's now a, a requirement to document your engagement with mentoring. And so for me, it just makes sense to develop a mentoring philosophy. That way I can just address it. And it's actually helped tremendously, tremendously, actually. And then I think the other thing I would say is in terms of that philosophy, you know, at the end of the day, the way I look at mentoring is very simple. At the end of the day, my job is to cultivate the talent of my students because all of the students that come to campus to work with me come in with some level of talent, right? But it's my job to help elevate them and help cultivate that talent such that when they graduate, they are even more prepared for the workforce or for whatever they choose to do upon graduation. So that's kind of how I look at my role in mentoring. And I take a lot. I love sports. And and I think a lot of how I mentor comes from is influenced by my love of sports. And so in this case, as I mentioned that, you know, my role is to cultivate the talent of my students to do what I can to help them be prepared for whatever they choose to do upon graduation. Actually, that approach has helped me, you know, it sounds simplistic, but I think, you know, I tend to try to keep things very simple. I always tell individuals life is difficult enough, so don't make the easy difficult. This approach that I have to mentoring as far as this notion of a coach and cultivating talent has served me well. And I think that the students that I've had uh, opportunities to mentor will agree with me that that approach is, is benefit them greatly when they were uh, working with me. Great. Thank you. I think one of the kind of most salient 
pieces that you mentioned and your response was the idea of cultivating talent of your students. So not looking at students as kind of being half empty, but instead being half full, right? Right, And coming to spaces with capital, coming to spaces with cultural capital. And it's, it's a different way of looking at it because I think that in terms of students of color, it's often looked at as they're coming to spaces lacking instead of having. So thank you for your work. But also, um, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about what you're going to be talking about this afternoon. Mm, So you have a talk this afternoon, not about mentorship, but about sponsorship. So how do you help position graduate students of color for career advancement through Mm. sponsorship? And why do you think it's important to talk about sponsorship and how this relates to their career advancement? So, yeah, so so this idea of sponsorship. So as I was thinking about when I was invited to, to come here and speak, you know, I like to take time just to reflect and and I always say to myself, I've been lucky, knock on wood, that I always like to wait for inspiration for when I'm about to give a talk about something. And so I was waiting around and, and I was having a conversation with a colleague, a friend of mine who works in the, the corporate sector. And she said to me, she says, Levon, you know, mentorship is important, but you start to see if you start to do some reading and really looking that sponsorship is, is really what matters, especially for people of color. And I said, that's what I'm going to talk about. And so to your question, what I have found is that all too often students of color, uh, graduate students of color, I keep it to the graduates, the context of graduate school, graduate school students of color are really sponsored in ways that help them achieve the success that they need uh, upon graduation. And so, for example, and I think I do a fairly good job of it, is that whenever I have an opportunity to brag on my students, I do. I'm always thinking of ways to help them be successful, to position them, to nominate them for awards, to connect them with people like Maybeth and, and others who I've met over the years. I'm always thinking of ways, you know, I'm always trying to think of, okay, how can I help him or her be successful? Um, connecting them with folks and nominating them for awards because all too often, graduate students of color don't get those opportunities. I mean, I see it every day at Purdue University. Um, you know, every time I look up and I see a, a student award, a student being nominated for an award, um, I rarely see students of color. And so every chance I get, I'm throwing my name, my students' names in the hat every single time. And, and I'll share today five examples that you'll see. Um, you'll see examples today of how I do that and what I've done. And and so for me, I just I have as I think more about this topic, I just think that in order for you know students to be successful to have access to opportunities, it's my job to be the connector for them. Because what happens all too often is that, especially students of color, they're over-mentored, but under-sponsored. Um, because if you think about it, you can go to any random conference, students are quick to brag on, well, maybe that's my, my mentor, or so-and-so is my mentor. That's fine. I mean, it's, it's important to have mentors, but you know, I think the next level in that, in that mentoring dynamic, if you will, is, okay, to what degree is that individual helping position you for that next big thing, if you will, job opportunity, an award, what have you. And so that's what I'm going to speak about today. And so as, as I really, as I thought about this topic and prepared for today's talk, it's even more clear. And it's even made me think a little bit differently about what I can do even better to do, you know, what, yeah, what I can do to uh, do a better job, if you will, of, of making, ensuring that my students are successful especially those that decide to come work with me. So again, I just think this notion of sponsorship is extremely important. It's something that's not talked about. But again, if you were to look in the, in the corporate realm, 
they speak on it all the time. It's, just, it's something that's, that's uh, front and center in the corporate sector. And so what I'm trying to do today, if you want to talk, is just to elevate it and really, if I can uh, show up today in staff of their their role in, as a sponsor and the importance of it and, and, and convince those if they aren't engaged in it, that they should they should do it. Because, because again, all too often what I see is students of color, yeah, they graduate with that degree, but they haven't been connected to the right spaces. And, and so I think that our role as, as faculty, as faculty advisors, mentors, we should take it upon ourselves to really think long and hard and be, be strategic and be intentional about ensuring that our students are provided opportunities and connected with those right individuals. So that's kind of how I see it. Thank you. That was great. I, I think that that was a perfect way to kind of connect mentoring and sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that explanation. So considering all the work that you've done, you've done a lot of great work, particularly with MAP, but also in general in terms of just being a mentor and somebody who is an advocate for your students, what is the next step for you? So mm-hmm. what do you kind of see yourself pursuing or delving deeper in, in terms of like mentorship or sponsorship or just in general? Yeah. What is your next step? Yeah, so as a faculty member, I mean, I love being a faculty member. I enjoy it. I love mentoring students. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I love the work. I yeah. love doing it. And so for me, as far as my role as a faculty member, I, I'm constantly thinking of how I can be better and, and serve my students better. You know, there are, one thing I've learned from my students is that, um, and what I like about how my mentoring style, if you will, is that in many ways, my students serve as the uh, rearview mirrors, if you will, because they point out to me things that I can improve on. We have a really good relationship. So we have conversations and, and I'm constantly learning new ways, new strategies, how I can be a better mentor. And so I try to try those. Once I learn from those conversations, I try to apply that for the next group of students that come in. So that's one thing I want to do in terms of my role as a faculty member mentor. But I think in the long term, you know, at some point I want to pursue something. I want to try my hand at doing something else within the academy in the administrative role, if you will, because at the end of the day, I think that the skills that I've developed as a faculty member, um, you know, engaged in research, engaged in teaching, engaged in mentoring, I think there's something that I can, I have, there's some value that I have that I can bring to an institution or a college, if you will, depending on that administrative position that's on a much larger scale. And so my hope is just to be able to spread, to be able to share what I've learned and with students on a much larger scale so that those impacts can be experienced by others other than those those seven and nine that I have on average semester. Wonderful. So I want to wish you best of luck on that. Um, and I think that is incredibly important. So thank you for all your important work. And I can't wait to hear more about what you plan on doing in the future. That was our last question. So thank you for being our second podcast guest. Um, and thank you so much for your time. And like I said, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I look no forward problem. to listening to it.